Dark Academicals, the podcast where we delve into the mythos of dark academia one book at a time. I'm Sophie Waters. And I'm Sarah Purnell. And our third episode of this season focuses on Sierra Simone's A Lesson in Thorns, the first book in the Thorn Chapel series. It's been 12 years since Poe has been to Thorn Chapel, a grand old house in the Devon countryside. But she's back with a job to do. Catalogue the old neglected library and don't fall in love. But Auden Guest is now Lord of the Manor, and even more dark and brooding than when they were children, and his enemy, Saint Sebastian Martinez, is just as alluring. Poe can't help but become embroiled in the magic and mysteries of Thorn Chapel and its captivating residents. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need we needed like a magic sound there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly like that. <laughs> Right, before we get stuck in, our standard spoiler warning. You have been warned. We will be talking about everything. We will be talking about the big reveals. So if you haven't quite finished the book, finish it off and come back later. And we will be here. And we've also got a few content warnings for this one. So the main ones are um, graphic sex, grief and death of a parent. Any you want to add? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that covers it. Covers the main ones, doesn't it? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and also, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to our mailer at the Dark Academicals Book Club Substack. Correct. Right? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you didn't understand what I just said, it is in our uh, bio of our Instagram as well as you can access it from our website booksburgersandbackpacks.com and we will have a UK only giveaway of um, the book A Lesson in Thorns and also we have a Q&A with the author Sierra Simone which is very exciting and we're <laughs> looking forward to sharing that with you so let's get into it so why did we choose A Lesson in Thorns go forth it's, well <laughs> I've read it before and I definitely felt like it had dark academia vibes. And I think that it deserves to actually be more on more dark academia lists. I agree. I agree. Because I hadn't really seen much kind of relating it to dark academia. It was mostly that it was just a really great spicy read. Yeah. And it's it's definitely a different type of novel to what we've looked at before. And I really, we're really keen to kind of cover as many genres as possible here. And that definitely ticks those boxes. I also did see a review comparing it to The Raven Cycle. Really? That's which I think is interesting. Um, and it is billed as a dark academia kind of fairy tale. So yeah. it, it had to be done. And I'm glad, glad it is because I really, really enjoyed this. It was a lot of fun i raced through it in two sittings mm. so <laughs> lots and lots of fun did you enjoy it as much on your second read i did i listened to the audiobook this time around um definitely with headphones in <laughs> <laughs> yeah that could have been awkward couldn't it <laughs> and i yeah i enjoyed it just as much the second time around even with some slightly strange english accents <laughs> they they are forgivable once you've adjusted it's forgivable <laughs> <laughs> it's always interesting to look at it that way because if if someone put on an american accent we wouldn't be any the wiser <laughs> no <laughs> right let's get stuck in 
So as ever, we will be running down our list of our tenets of dark academia and seeing how a lesson in thorns plays into them. So first up, we've got a higher education setting, often on campus and usually elite or exclusive in some way. So this is a no. No. There definitely isn't a higher education setting, but there are academic pursuits. Yes. I feel like even though the setting itself is not academic, it almost feels that way because of Poe's job, because she's yep. a librarian and for what mm-hmm. you know what she's doing. And all the others are quite I don't want to say nerdy, but you know what I mean? They're, they, they're, yeah. they are a little bit nerdy. <laughs> yeah, the, everyone is very intelligent. Everyone has kind of those... Academic isn't quite the wrong word, but those intellect, intellectual pursuits sounds wanky, but... <laughs> <laughs> you can cut In that term, out. It's the kind of thing... No, it's the kind of thing that... Um, <laughs> I will not cut it out. It's the kind of thing that characters in dark academia books will often go on to pursue so like yeah rebecca is a landscape architect mm-hmm. and you could easily well imagine someone from the secret history going on to be a landscape oh absolutely architect. yeah um you know poe is a research librarian or she's mm-hmm. trained in librarian sciences yeah. and you could again easily see someone falling into that field of work oh, absolutely it's, it's it's definitely the kind of work that isn't necessarily accessible to everyone yeah and as well they all kind of become some more reluctantly than others (laughs) embroiled in the history of um thorn chapel and the legacy of what happened that summer 12 years ago when all of their parents met in the house and then they you know flung to opposite sides of the ocean and never saw each other again and there's that mystery and there's the digging through the old books and the archives and there's the old portrait in the in the attic as they're piecing together what happened and the 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 legacy and mysteries around some rituals that were yeah. under, ancient rituals that were undertaken which is a very dark academia thing because it's very close to the secret history's ritual really yeah Definitely. But if we are looking at it um, literally on paper, then it doesn't meet the first... No, no, it doesn't. ...thing on the list. But it does meet old Gothic architecture. (laughs) (laughs) It does. It has it in spades, doesn't it? It's bucketfuls of old Gothic architecture everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, it's so vivid, the descriptions of Thorn Chapel. So it's nestled in Dartmoor, in Devon, Um, just off from a a small village and it just from the moment you're kind of drawing up to to the house with Poe it feels old and gothic and it feels like there's that weight to it doesn't there as like she's going up those the long windy country roads and I think as well because when she arrives they're obviously doing some work on the house and even though that means they're technically modernizing you kind of Mm. get get a feel that the place is a bit worse Old for wear. A bit worse for wear and yeah. Yeah, definitely is. It's got that in space. Because we don't really get many direct descriptions of the building after that first introduction. But the way they move around the house, the way they use the house, kind of fills in those gaps, doesn't it, really? Yeah. 
And that library. <laughs> God, it's a very library. um it's a very beauty and the beast moment, isn't it? It is. I think yeah. he even says, Do you like it? Like he says something that sounds very similar to when Beast takes Belle. <laughs> yeah, into that's the library. true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. So next up we have a preoccupation with classical studies, Latin, Greek, literature, philosophy. And no. No. On paper, again, <laughs> but there is the study of this ancient ritual and there's like the ties of Catholicism through it. Yeah. That was unexpected. I thought it was interesting because I don't think Catholicism is that prevalent down here. It, it's I, not I, really that prevalent in England at all. No, we're more like Methodist or Church of England style churching. Yeah. I don't really, I'm not au fait really with Christianity, no. but it, I know that it's not predominantly catholic so it was quite a surprise to me to have this catholic center i guess yeah because i mean religion's not really a big deal in the uk anymore like it is in america no, i mean i will say in the southwest there is still quite a strong right um uh relationship with the church and that people go on a sunday you know right okay. it's just just a familial thing that you do yeah, yeah. um but okay. I wouldn't yeah. say that it, it's something that kind of runs people's lives. Okay. Just for context, Sarah lives in the southwest of England. I live in the southeast. We're about 200 miles apart. So <laughs> I live on the edge of Dartmoor. So Basically, yeah. <laughs> She's got quite a lot of context for this one. <laughs> yeah, so that was a surprise. And also quite an interesting take on it when... You know, this novel is, it's very sexy. It's, I know there's that like undercurrent of, what's the word? Repressed desire and sexuality and everything. And I think that was almost more important to the story than the actual Catholic faith element. Does yeah. that make sense? I think so. I think it just, it, it just kind of contributed. Yeah. I mean, I think Beckett is a very interesting character. Yeah, because again, that's quite an unusual thing for a young man in England to go into the church at that level with no like family history of it yeah. that we know of. That is unusual now, isn't it? Yeah, I think reading the parts that are from his perspective kind of give you more of an insight as to why he went that way. Yeah. But it is it is odd. Mm-hmm. An interesting choice. And yeah. I think that is just an American-England dichotomy there, isn't it? I think so. The difference of prominence in religion in, you know, 2022, kind of. But, I mean, you, you have also got uh, Sarah, Sierra Simone's priest, which is yes, huge, hugely popular and uh, still very enjoyable. <laughs> also excellent fun. I yeah. love that book. <laughs> See, I read that before... A lesson in thorns. Uh, so. I read it after. Yeah. Good fun. Recommended. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to classical studies. <laughs> we got a little bit lost there, didn't we? Um, there is some Latin, though. There is some Latin. Is it convivacat? Convivacat, yeah. It quickens. So it quickens, yes. Um, so that kind of launches the present day 
story, doesn't it? And it closes it off. It, yeah. it bookmarks the novel. And it's what sets Poe on this journey of coming to Thorn Chapel, of looking into the past and her parents' past and everything. So although it's not studies, it is a preoccupation for Poe. Yeah. That is twisting our tenet slightly. <laughs> <laughs> but it is there and I do think that's worth um, worth mentioning because before yeah. Poe leaves for England, she receives a note in her mother's handwriting that says, Convivicate, um, which means it quickens and it's postmarked from, from Dartmoor, from from Thorn Chapel. So she mysteriously gets offered a job at Thorn Chapel to catalogue the library and off she goes to investigate. So that that's what brings the novel mm. to where it needs to be. And they do all, all of them become preoccupied with, not obviously not the classical study, but with this study of Thorn Chapel and its history and its legacy. Yeah, and, and this ritual. I think it gets half a point for that one. I agree, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's solidly... Well, we don't know. Does it get a point for murder, which oh, is our next one? We don't know, though, do we, really? We don't. Yet. So, again, if you ignored our first spoiler warning, <laughs> this is a bigger spoiler warning with flashing lights and everything. So, at the end of the novel, just before it ends... Yep, said that twice. They get, they get what you, <laughs> they get what you're saying. Um, Poe's, who we think to be Poe's mum's skeleton, is uncovered. Um, at the chapel. In Thorn Chapel. <laughs> Have I forgotten how to use words? <laughs> so. I mean, there's a mysteriously buried body and this woman's been missing for 12 years. I'm assuming it's murder. But we don't actually know. But it's definitely death under suspicious circumstances. Yeah. I mean, you have this kind of uh, image of a missing person from the beginning, don't you? It's a Yeah. It is, even though you don't, we still don't know if it if it's a murder or not, but you have this mystery of a missing person, mm-hmm. almost like we had in Ninth House straight from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the the, the mystery, isn't it? It's the yeah, sort of propelling them through. So next up, we've got a dark, moody, and or haunting vibe. Check. I would give that a big old tick. <laughs> <laughs> I love the vibe of the writing of this book. I love it. It's it's very close. It's it feels very I'm not a hundred percent sure whether it's the full dark academia vibe that we usually would rank this on, but at the same time, I can't say it's not. Yeah. So basically I'm undecided is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> because there it's, is it's as close as damn without it being. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know if it is because of the spicy element. Because even though in previous mm. books you do get... A lot of it's fade to black in yeah. Dark Academia. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas here it, it is definitely... It, it's under on the spotlight. Yeah, it is on page very much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it is classed as erotica in some 
some categories like on yeah. Storygraph and Goodreads and stuff. So it is very much a big element of the book, especially in the latter half. Yeah. And it, it does change the vibe. So that was actually one of my questions going into it was, will the erotic elements prevent it from being dark academia? So that is something I would like to talk about a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go too off topic. Okay. The setting, the atmosphere around Thorn Chapel it is dark, moody and haunting. Yeah. Like it, it permeates the whole novel. Definitely. Um, we also have hero worship of a particular figure or author. This is difficult to pin down. Yeah, because it's not some... I wouldn't say it's anyone external from them, but they very much worship each other. Yeah. Literally. Literally. <laughs> and metaphorically. <laughs> it's that It's that messy, tied up, overlapping, complicated and really intense closeness that... The secret history gang have yeah that the lines are blurred yeah it's not a normal relationship so. it's not a normal <clears throat> friendship um so i think i think my answer to that would be each other yeah yeah even though it doesn't technically quite fit in <laughs> how we are shaping get, it gets another half point yeah. <laughs> we're bending the rules today we feel like rebels apparently <laughs> mm. Next up, we have old money, which will collide with new money or no money. That is definitely there. Correct. So, of all of them, pretty much all of them are rich, except Poe and Saint. Mm. I think Poe does okay for herself. I mean, so does Saint, to an yeah. extent. Like, they're not, they're not poor. They're not on no. the poverty line by any means. But, but they don't comparison, own an old English mm. manor house. You know. True. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Poe's got several degrees and, you know, has moved to England on a whim. Like, Yeah. She's okay. Because I think her dad's a professor, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Mm. And Saint, he's renting his mum's old house. He has a job. He, ha he works for a contractor. So he is probably, on paper, the poorest. But yeah. he's by no means uncomfortable no he's he's fine yeah but there there is that line between what Auden has yeah because Auden's inherited Thorn Chapel after his dad's passing a few years ago and he's kind of renovating it a little bit even though he kind of hates it but kind of loves it <laughs> he's a very complicated man <laughs> yeah but I think once they're all at Thorn Chapel, it doesn't really seem to make a difference anymore. No, it's not the, it's not their class or wealth that divides them. Mm -mm. It's personal feeling. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's only really used with Saint as as a weapon when him and Alden are fighting, isn't it? It's never, <laughs> it's not an actual division. No. At all. Agreed on that one. It's time for your favourite. The weather. <laughs> I weather swear is a I say that. Device. <laughs> I swear I say that every time in exactly the same words. <laughs> <laughs> but it is my favourite. And I would say that the weather is definitely used as a literary device in this book. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's It makes it sound so depressing living in England, which fair. But it, 
the the kind of cold, damp, bitter, endless driving rain that really contributes to the atmosphere. But it is literally just a standard English winter. Yeah, especially on Dartmoor, <laughs> like it yeah. is wet. It is yeah. I mean, we went up there in the middle of the summer, and <laughs> we had probably all four seasons of weather in one day. Correct. This is correct so for Dartmoor. <laughs> it's very changeable. But I think that the weather here is used as part of the atmosphere and the vibe of the novel, just effortlessly. Like, yeah. Because it's, it's just part of where they are. Yeah. I mean, you even get... It, it literally puts itself um, as a symbolic part of the, of the story because, like, when the ritual reaches its yeah. climax, shall we say, there is a bolt of thunder and lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which causes actual physical destruction. Yeah. And they do the whole ritual in pouring rain. It's it's so atmospheric. And it wouldn't feel the same without that element there. No. So that is a big, huge tick. For thus? That's for not thus. what I meant to say. I meant to say, for that. Last up, we have underdeveloped social skills or the protagonist is portrayed as an outsider. I struggle I think- with this one. Yeah, I think at first she she feels like an outsider, but she's very quickly embraced into their circle. Um, I'd say underdeveloped social skills would be Auden. That's the only one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's about as subtle as a brick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. But generally, I don't think this one fits because usually it's applied to the protagonist and Poe is quite a... Mm socially adept person yeah she's very easy kind of to for everyone to get along with and i think a lot of the novel focuses on the fact that they are fated to be entwined yeah they are they are meant to be drawn back together and it was this is this sense of it being inevitable so yeah that one definitely doesn't apply Hmm. so i would like to talk a little bit about um the sex and the erotic elements in dark academia yeah. Because as I was saying earlier, I was wondering if it would change the atmosphere and the vibe. And I do think it does. Yeah. Because there's a lot in Dark Academia about that repression, the off page, the mystery, the the tension, the sexual tension. And don't get me wrong, there is a ton of sexual tension. A ton. <laughs> And that really does amplify the Dark Academia vibe, doesn't it? It does. That tent... Tense? That's not a word. The tension, the mystery, the the possibility of what's going to happen. But once kind of those walls are broken down and we really get into the second half, I do think it it changes the atmosphere of the novel. Yeah. Not, Not in a negative way at all. It does just alter it. I think. Yeah, I I wonder if it's just in the language used because there is something I don't know what word I'm searching for, but because we're using very crude, very kind of like basic okay. terms for anatomy and what's happening. So I guess are you saying that it's not like capital R romantic in in the language and the ideas of the maybe you know the secrets and it's very it's very there and on page and that takes away that kind of like that distant like 
capital R romantic longing. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Because so I, I struggled to kind of put into words how kind of the, it, it changed the atmosphere. I feel like considering I made such a big point of going, I want to talk about this. And now I'm like, do I have I any other how. words? <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, it is quite intense. And um, so if you've got this far and you haven't read it and you do want to, just go in with eyes wide open on that. Yeah. And we've be prepared got, for that. We've got some some uh, forays into BDSM. Yeah. Um, some kind of like light subdom scenarios. Um, yeah. Some group scenarios. <laughs> yeah. So do be do be prepared for that. There are some great kissing scenes. There are. There really are. Yeah. I, d- I think it changed. So in conclusion to this mini point here, it changes the atmosphere, but I don't think it, it changes it for the worse. It is it's oh, just no. how this novel moves. I think also because obviously we were reading it from a dark academia point of view, mm-hmm. even though in other dark academia titles there is sex or there is like talk of sex it's never in an explicit or erotic way like it is in lesson in thorns and i think maybe it's just that we haven't come across it before it's kind of trying to work out if it still fits within our classification of the genre yeah and how yeah i think you nailed it there do you have any other um like isolated elements or criticisms that you want to bring up for a lesson in thorns i think not necessarily from a dark academia point of view but Mm. i there are some there are some smaller finer details that as someone that lives on dartmoor yeah (laughs) i struggle with a little bit but again it's fine like it's not offensive like it's not it's just because i live here i'm like "Uh." (laughs) yeah if that if that's accurate (laughs) yeah i mean i don't live down there but i picked up on a few as well but i think that's just that happens when you're writing about somewhere that you don't live really yeah i mean i'm i'm sure it also happens when you well when you write about anywhere that you don't live doesn't it not just and quite frankly having to work out our train timetables (laughs) when you don't have to suffer them yourself is confusing to be fair so i guess we have to give a a pass on um getting the train to newton abbott even though it doesn't particularly make that much sense (laughs) I mean, as much distance as you can have from our train systems is for the best. Yeah. I think another thing I did want to mention, actually, there's very little tech. There's very little contact with the outside world. We have Delphine's Instagram influencer life, Mm. but it's only touched on a few times, really. And then we have Poe calling and texting her dad a few times. But other than that, I think that's again that's not the thing that makes it lean towards dark academia yeah. because they're very usually it's either set before tech is a big mm-hmm. thing or they just don't use it. It's and stripped think, from them in some way. Yeah. But but yeah, instead of jumping to the internet to research stuff, they go to the library and instead of when one of them go wanders off, they go and find them instead yeah. of Given them I a mean, call. to be fair, whether or not you get signal, there would be 
Although signal on Dartmoor is generally quite well, it depends quite good. It depends how close you are to a lump of granite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but I I liked the the lack of tech. It, yeah. I feel like it gives it an agelessness. Yeah. But also kind of hints at maybe a little bit further back in time. It kind of blurs those the timelines, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it just seals Thornchapel in this pocket of like timelessness. Yeah. But then when we see like Rebecca at her London flat or mm. you know, Delphine. Or even Auden's about, Yeah. Flat. You kind of you're you're more grounded in, in the in the current time period and then they kind yeah. of go back to this little bubble again. Yeah, definitely. That's that's all my points. That's all I've got written down. <laughs> Did you want to do a specific character analysis or do you think we've covered them? Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind talking about Auden a little bit because... Let's talk about Auden. Let's talk about Auden. He's my favourite spicy boy. Are you? He is mine. Are you? Yeah, Auden boy. I I don't know. I wasn't sure if you'd be a saint. More of a saint saint girl. No, Auden. Auden Auden all the way. way. (laughs) (laughs) Auden reminds me of Gansey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Hmm. I feel like Gansey could grow grow up to be a to be an Auden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would really change the Raven cycle, wouldn't it? Oh, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see that. I guess they have a similar heritage as well, don't they? And that that need for something else, that need for something other. I yes, guess, to keep them grounded and keep them with a purpose, I guess. Yeah, and I I also thought it was really interesting the narrative choice to go with Delphine as like the um as the what what is it, what is it the the bride and the I know the groom obviously, but what is it that they call call her? the lord the, the lord, lord the lord of the manor lord of the manor yeah. yeah i thought that was interesting because it could have so easily have been Auden. Yeah. and i would have been fine with that <laughs> yeah that's something else i really love is that there is no boundaries on sexuality on gender on expressing any of those things in any way there's no need for labels there's no need for anyone to do a big reveal or come out it's just what it is it's accepted there's no questions there's no judgment it's very fluid and i really like that and i really enjoyed the conversation that they have about virginity and about Mm. what that can mean and how in the end they just kind of decide it means whatever you want it to mean yeah um because it is it is a patriarchal control isn't it yeah and they they kind of dismiss all of that And, and like similar on that path i love that Delphine is plus size and she is still one of the most desirable people in the group by everyone like there's never a question that because she's bigger she is lesser in some way no Poe always frames her in this like in this beautiful light almost like Like, that that kind of like Titian beauty yeah which is really really lovely to read yeah 
and she she's not singled out for it like it's very matter of fact that she is softer she is bigger and that she does have a few moments of self-consciousness but she's always very much reassured by everyone that yeah you know don't be an idiot you're gorgeous kind of thing but yeah. softer obviously <laughs> so I, re- I really did love that I like Delphine generally I think she's a really interesting character yeah I liked her too and I hope we see more of her in the rest of the series because I will be definitely carrying on with the series <laughs> I think I really want to know how this all plays out really yeah big fan <laughs> so is it dark academia oh I'm really torn I'm just yes. my, I'm gonna just gonna say yes I think yes yes Sometimes the vibe does waver a little bit and that seems to be what we have kind of pinned all of our decisions on. Yeah. But for this one, I'm just going to go with my gut and my gut says it is Dark Academia. Yes. I think it's purely because it is a different type of Dark Academia than we've read so far. Yeah. And I think that's the only thing that's kind of making us question our decision a little bit. I think so. But yeah, the th- A Lesson in Thorns is in fact Dark Academia. It has the Dark Academicals seal of approval. Yay! (laughs) So just another reminder that signing up to our mailer, the darkacademicalsbookclub.substack.com will get you entered into a UK giveaway for a copy of the book and you'll be treated to an exclusive Q&A with Sierra Simone. And that will be out the day this comes out. So any subscriptions from, from today... On the, on the day of release up until around a week or so after we'll be entered into the giveaway and you can always access back copies of the mailer once you're subscribed so you won't miss out would you like to unveil our next title i mean our next title uh is our dark academia adjacent title so this means mm-hmm. that it is a book that we've chosen that has some kind of relation to dark academia whether that be an influence or it's featured alongside is am i explaining that correctly yeah so it's almost like a sister genre yeah <laughs> so i would say gothic is a sister genre to dark academia yeah or if it's kind of subject matter that's tied into dark academia it's an influence it's it could be a classic novel it could be a modern novel that plays on that. So, yeah. our, our our title is going to be "The Song of Achilles" by Madeline Miller. Oh, and this oh, is going to be gonna hurt. It's going <laughs> to hurt so bad. This will be the third time I've read and cried over this book, and it's going to be glorious. I'm and dreading painful. the pain already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be. It's going to be a tough one, but this book is just stunning. It's one of my absolute favourites. And obviously, I know you're thinking, what? It's Greek mythology. But the focus of so many dark academia novels is Greek mythology and these stories of the heroes and villains. So we're kind of looking at it from that angle. Yeah, and even though the dark academia adjacent titles are usually quite obviously not dark academia, we're kind of looking for where dark academia or characters or titles or authors kind of draw yeah from and also to an extent the type of books that's that 
characters in dark academia novels would reach for because they're topics of interest. Yeah. You know, Henry would absolutely read The Song of Achilles. <laughs> I don't know how he'd feel about it. I could say Bunny would read it and hate it. Would Bunny read it? Mm. <laughs> I'm not I'm not entirely convinced <laughs> Bunny does anything. But right, so said... Bunny Bunny would pretend to read it and still hate <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. That's better. <laughs> so, in case you haven't discovered the delight of uh, Patroclus and Achilles, Achilles yet. This is what it's all about. Greece in the Age of Heroes. Patroclus, an awkward young prince, has been exiled to the court of King Peleus and his perfect son Achilles. Despite their differences, Achilles befriends the shamed prince, and as they grow into young men skilled in the arts of war and medicine, their blonde blossoms into something deeper, despite the displeasure of Achilles' mum, Thetis, a cruel sea goddess. But when word comes that Helen of Sparta has been kidnapped, Achilles must go to war in distant Troy and fulfil his destiny. Torn between love and fear for his friends, Patroclus goes with him, little knowing that the years that follow will test everything they hold dear. And then break our hearts into smithereens. already. (laughs) I know. But at the same time, I'm really excited to reread it. (laughs) I know you don't particularly enjoy rereading, but... (laughs) <laughs> this is an unfortunate <laughs> podcast for you. <laughs> Sucks to be me. <laughs> I am really... I'm just trying to see the last time I read it. Because I, I feel like it was on a plane and I cried on the plane because I finished it. <laughs> what a loser. I know. It's <laughs> all right. Maybe I'll, I'll read it on a plane again and you get to sit with me while I cry. <laughs> 2017. Well, I think I must be around the same time. Yeah, because we, we read it for our old website was a book club book yeah so i read it in 2015 and 2017 and i have not read it since so that will be interesting i'm very excited do you want to close us out yeah (laughs) (laughs) well done (laughs) top marks So if you've enjoyed this episode, all of our other episodes are available and streaming now, wherever you stream your podcasts, wherever you're streaming this one from, go listen to others. That would be great. You can also, again, subscribe to our mailer, which would make us very, very happy. And Um, you get entered into a giveaway. And you get entered into a giveaway. It's a win-win situation for both of us. And I suppose until next time, bye. Bye. Bye.